Hey, Business Building Warrior, an episode with a guest today coming at you fast. This is Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm Jim of silentgym.com. No matter where you're listening or watching today, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. I'm going to hang out today with a young man who's a few years out of college. His name's Dylan O'Neill. He's got an engineering degree. He's about $80,000 in debt, but he shared that with us today and he's working his way out of it. He's got a full-time career, a good job, but he's starting to get more excited about what he's building on Amazon and the business opportunities that are coming at him as a result of what he's learned around here. He's one of our coaching students. He's built his business up to the point where he's selling about $15,000 a month on Amazon at a very healthy profit margin, as he'll, you'll hear in his story today. He's got some great examples and great illustrations of exactly how to build this business, kind of follow the path that he's been on. And I just loved hearing a, a young man kind of process through the options that he has at this stage of life, the career option with its minuses and pluses, and then the building my own business option with its benefits and negatives as well. So you're going to hear him kind of process through that with me a little bit today, what the next stages of growth might be for him, because it's just him very much part-time, but it's starting to turn into something pretty exciting for him. So enjoy as we kind of process through Dylan's journey. He's about a year into selling online now, been a coaching student with us for a while, and he is really starting to see some great results. So I think you're going to find some inspiration here and yet another great episode with another great student from our community. So let's jump over and meet Mr. Dylan right now. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit today. So let's jump right into your story, man. What have you got for us? Okay. So I am a civil engineer out of college. I'm only about three and a half years removed. Really was starting to look into this business, to be honest, due to uh, student loans, mostly for that reason. Um, I know a lot of people you hear now, nowadays might say, you know, well, college, maybe you don't want to go unless you get a STEM degree. Even being in engineering, I sort of feel that coming out with, say, you know, approximately 80 grand in debt for a cost affordable college. I still think, you know, well, to me, that's kind of scraping the teeth, you know, getting by barely, just barely being worth it. Think about the amount of time you have to pay that off and et cetera. And the amount of interest that that uh, piles up over time. So I was thinking of other ways to potentially make money online. And due to other personal development that I've had in my life, I've sort of wanted to tackle the goals of saying, you know, building a business on the side, I might be worthwhile and saying, you know, hey, well, this might be an opportunity not to work, you know, in the corporate world for 40 plus years, because at least being only three and a half years at the same job, you sort of see what that path's like, what you might want to do, say, go into a managerial role, et cetera, or a senior technical as an engineer. You kind of got already, you kind of get to see a feel of what that's like by that point. So I figured, you know, well, I'm personally, I'm not entirely sure if that's what I want to do. I do like being my own boss in some regards. Um, and I've also, I think one of the books that I haven't read but it comes from this book is Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. And it's sort of the concept of the rat race versus the uh, fast lane. And even yes. though business could be riskier, you know, that could be worthwhile. And I figure, you know, hey, well, while I'm a bit younger, instead of waiting, you know, towards the 
you know, later part of my career to decide to do this, why not go ahead and try something now? But what I had the issue with was finding a business idea, you know, only really being having that engineering experience, you know, well, what do I jump into? You know, can't be a chef in a restaurant. You know, I could maybe open up my own firm, but there's not enough experience for that. Right. So I started looking around for other ideas that could potentially, you know, be an open door for someone like me to come in and looking around a lot of ideas, taking courses in other places. I'm not Amazon or private label, nothing like that. I've heard plenty on your podcast about that. And thankfully, I've not uh, gone in that direction, but taking other courses of, you know, things like drop shipping. Thankfully, I didn't get into that because I now realize, thanks to y'all's teaching of a lot of the shortfalls of that. Other things with social media marketing, but honestly, those courses seemed like one trick ponies that didn't seem to have a lot of flexibility to go anywhere if, say, certain rules changed. And But Amazon selling always particularly caught my interest. Um, mm-hmm. I never really went away. But the issue was, if you search on YouTube, for example, well, it's like, okay, I searched one time on YouTube. Now I'm getting spammed with ads of guys getting out of their cars or saying, <laughs> hey, I don't have an expensive car or we'll build this business for you. And it's like, are any of these feeling slightly legitimate in the slightest sense? You know, not all these flashing lights are trying to pull the reverse psychology of, hey, we're not that, but you can kind of tell we're still also that, if that makes any sense. It totally does. Yes. It's like uh, once we've burned through the whole piles of cash and fancy car thing, we're going to say, hey, we're not a pile of cash and fancy car guys, but our offer is exactly like what they're selling over there. <laughs> once you dig right. in. You know, so what is that? I'm curious what that litmus test is that made you tip the scale into thinking we were legitimate. Like, what was it? And this is me doing a bit of market research, if you don't mind, sure. because I know we bring things to the game that are far different than what else is out there. But what were the factors that went into your deciding to kind of plug into our community and, our, and the content you, you've, the training you've gotten from us at this point? Sure. So one was, by this point, I had been reading books and listening to, you know, again, YouTube or books as far as other business leaders, you know, it may be common sense to some people, others not. But, you know, if the business sounds too good to be true, you can just assume that it is. I mean, if if it's build your business for you, we give you cash. There's no way there's not some stipulation you're not aware of on that either. It has a high chance of failure or that you're only getting like maybe 10% of this investment, which will be nothing. I mean, I don't know what that's like. That's what I can only assume. Yeah. What pulled me to you guys was one, really not having YouTube ads at all. <laughs> I actually found you through a Reddit, Reddit comment on some forum and back in my days of, you know, searching for, through these ideas and just one random comment led me to y'all and seeing the stories that y'all have. And it's generally a lot more, you could just sort of tell there's a bit of honesty um, on your front page in terms of the results that are there. The business accreditation helps a lot. The fact that you can look that up is really useful. And also the fact that I think to some degree on your page, you didn't necessarily, and even on your podcast, which I haven't, didn't notice, didn't start listening to until recently, that you don't necessarily promise anything. You, I think, was it that you say that the amount of people that get results in this program is zero? Something yeah. to that effect? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, what's the average results you can expect by joining your program? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tells me you're not ready to get serious. Like, no, you can't expect anything. But if you want to come out, hang out with a bunch of people who are building incredible businesses and giving us credit, 
you know, come hang out with us, see what you think. So that's, you know, that's my marketing pitch. And it keeps us out of, you know, from a legal standpoint, if you're going to say, hey, this person got these results, you're supposed to say, hey, what are your average results? So we just say, hey, average results, zero. That's what you're going to get. That's what you can expect. We're not promising anybody anything. But however, we do have a rather large community, which I know you've in our experience that people mm-hmm. who are using these ideas to succeed and do some pretty incredible things. But it's a lot of work. You know, that's the yeah. part a lot of people leave out of it. It's work. Any business is. And I often say, hey, if, you, if, you've, if you're seeing shinier opportunities out there, go pursue them, play with them for a while. A year or two later, you'll come back and after you've learned the lesson the hard way that anything worth doing requires work, well, now come back and do some work. We've got a system that you can try and use. But if you're still thinking that you can send somebody some money and they're going to launch a business for you and they just send you money every month, like, nah, that's not out there, man. Yeah. No one's, <laughs> doesn't exist. It's not <laughs> happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of one of the other things that led me guys to you is, uh, well, for one, the fact that, I mean, you can just tell that, you know, you're upfront and honest about it, that it's just going to be hard work. I mean, there's no way around it. And that's the only way to build a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite frankly. And the second thing is, is that I'm in coaching. I'm a coaching student under uh, Brian Olson, who's fantastic, by the yeah, way. We're putting together some exciting content with him right now. It's, I'm looking forward to rolling that out. We're meeting next week on it. Yeah, man, but our coaches are just incredible. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a great one. We've got many good ones for sure. Yeah, I'm going to take a guess. Is that related to uh, Keepa Sourcing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's shown me some of that. And that's been fantastic in terms of you know time saving for one. But yeah, really before I even got on the coaching was, and I probably wouldn't even gone to the coaching if I had started not, I think it was about a couple of weeks after I bought the course that I got a call, started going through the, uh, not even replants first, but some of the, uh, I think it was uh, books, flipping books in particular, which didn't necessarily stand out to me, but it fit a lot of my criteria of, you know, low risk, potential high opportunity in terms of, you know, flipping capital over quickly. But the main thing, my two criteria being that it seems very feasible to do, and I'm not going to lose my shirt off of this <laughs> if it actually you know, ends up going in the gutter. But now what I've been taught through going through coaching, um, which I'm glad that I made the decision to invest in that, given some, like I mentioned earlier, personal development that I was going through at the time, you know, learning some things about, because part of the uh, business thing that I've realized is your business really is going to go as far as the person is capable. And what I've seen is that I was going through some programs to sort of work on my mental mindset of how, you know, money works. Mm -hmm. And even going through the first part of coaching and running this business, you know, sort of reset my mind on that. And what I mean is that there's a lot of opportunity out there on how you think of it. You know, money, a lot of people want to put morality around money. Well, money really is just amoral. I mean, it's just a tool at the end yeah. of the day. We like to, I think, not to go into a whole nother tangent, but as a society, we like to view money, you know, as sort of this, those who have a lot of it to be amoral in the sense, you know, they could be amoral people, but the fact that they have money does not make them amoral. They could have got it through completely moral means. So Are you saying, money you're inherent- saying immoral? There's almost an immorality excuse, having excuse me, yeah. a lot of funds, immoral. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, it's the bad guy in every movie. You know, it's yeah. when's the last time you saw a, a wealthy, successful business person portrayed as anything except you know, the villain in any type of entertainment 
you know, yeah. scenario. But yeah, yeah. And, and actually, actually, that's a topic of great passion for me, Dylan. And for those who maybe haven't heard enough episodes to hear me soapbox, give me, you know, 45 seconds here. And one of my mentors on this topic is Daniel Lappin, who spoke at our recent virtual conference, has some incredible resources that basically point out that the only way in a free market, the only way to get money into your pocket, one, steal it, which is illegal. You go to jail for that. You know, you take it from somebody against their will. That's immoral, obviously. We're not going to do that. The only other way that's left, if you're not going to do one of those, is serve people really, really well. It's the only way to get it. So you look at these billions of dollars that Jeff Bezos has, for example, every one of those dollars represents somebody who is willing to give him that dollar because he was about to give them something in their mind that was worth more than that dollar. Otherwise, they never would have given him the dollar. Like, you know, that's the only way to get money in a free market is to serve others well. And once you start to understand that and it frees you up, the danger of not understanding that, Dylan, and that I enjoy presenting to, you know, I'd call you a young man. I hope that's okay because I'm on the other side of 50 now. I can do that sort of thing. But, you know, I love presenting to guys in your age demographic because it's very important that you not self-sabotage is a big deal. And if you're doing something that internally you don't think is virtuous, you're going to self-sabotage in little ways that you may not even recognize. You'll misplace things and like, I just have that in my hand. Where did it go? You're sitting down to do some important work and things kind of vanish and suddenly the time flies and you've self-sabotaged what otherwise would have been productive work. A lot of times that's because you don't see the virtue in what it is you're sitting down to do. You don't really think that it's serving others well. So it's very important that you get that straight in your mind. The only way I'm ever going to make money is to serve other people so well that they're excited to part ways with that money, right? And then once you see it that way, that's a very freeing thought that allows you to just go full speed ahead and pursue these opportunities. So yeah, I love that you spent some time there and let me kind of you know soapbox for a moment, but I'll stick some resources in the show notes too for people who maybe struggle with that as far as seeing money properly. It's vital. It's, it's actually a very critical element. And we don't do a lot of that training around here, except on the podcast, perhaps. We'll talk about it. But uh, as far as in our content, we kind of assume people are here because they want to build a business and they're excited to do so. But yeah, the, the mind games are a big deal for sure. Yeah. And I'm a really big guy around mindset. Like you have to have congruence. You can't say, you know, oh, I want to make money this way. Oh, wait, that's not going to work for X, Y, Z reasons that don't work like you just talked about. Or Head in this direction. Well, it's not going to work for the same reasons, you know. And I had a little bit of that to some extent, but going back to coaching, you know, getting that mindset right. If I hadn't have done that, I never would have made that investment. And part of that learning in terms of mindset was believing that you'll get a return on your investment, you know, by investing in yourself. And at this point, you know, about I hit my 10K mark and replans and just a little bit under six months and now pretty average is 15k a month for me without coaching doing this part-time don't believe i ever would have hit that probably would have never gotten close to be quite honest probably would have had plenty of hurdles you know brian to tell me to say this is what you should be doing this is what you you should not be doing i mean even just a slight hour calls can make all the difference and save you just hours of headache just because you've got someone experienced there that can actually show you the ropes and say you know Uh, at least give you reassurance that you're doing something right or can save you hours of heartache by, you know, pulling you away from doing something that can take you who knows how long to realize that you're doing it incorrectly. Right. Yeah. The value of mentoring. 
That's another one of those great lessons. It's, it's good to learn young. If, if at any stage of your life, you look around and you can't answer these two simple questions, you're not where you should be. And those two simple questions are, who's mentoring me right now or coaching me or leading me where I need to go in my next season? And like names of people. And who am I mentoring? Who am I bringing along behind me? And like that's a healthy place to be in life is where you've got a short list of names on, on both of those lists. And uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's a biblical value. It's a biblical principle, but it translates so well, regardless of worldview, into developing a healthy business. Because one of the things you'll find, Dylan, is as you're teaching someone else, and you don't have to pour hours and hours a week into this person, but it's someone you're kind of checking in on and bringing them along. You're going to have to stay sharp to be that person. It keeps you sharp. Right? So you can kind of see where you're going. You're bringing someone else along where you've been. That's a very healthy place to be. But very wise choice. And I love the way you said, you know, the, um, the coaching, you look at it from a return on investment standpoint. It's a great decision. It always is. If you get the right coach or mentor, it's always time well spent. I think the biggest cost of coaching is the time. You know, the, the money expense is kind of secondary. It's the time. Am I willing to put time in and actually pay attention to what this person's going to do? That's a lot of time out of my life. Do I really want to take this seriously? That's the big decision point. It sounds like you did it. How far are you into your coaching? When did you when did you jump into it? So signed up, I think somewhere beginning of March, mid-March of this year. So about eight or nine months into it. About nine about nine months in. You said you're doing mm-hmm. about 15K a month now. What are your margins just so we're uh painting an accurate picture for folks to gross, know your gross margin is about twenty-one percent, I think. Twenty, twenty-one percent. Gotcha. Not a bad part-time side gig. Are you still a student? No. Uh, no, I'm three and a half years out of school now. Oh, I got you. So okay. a little bit into the corporate world, yeah. Yeah, you. so you've got a full-time job now. Yep. Okay, and this is your part-time side income. Yes, sir. Right, well, talk us through the dynamic of that. How have you kind of squeezed the two together? You got any relationships? Are you married? I didn't see that in your bio. I don't know. I'm not. Okay. I'm not, which could be a good discussion. Um, on your, one of your recent podcasts that I heard is... Uh, which I think is a good topic to jump into is because something that I've been, let's say, struggling a little, not too much with recently, but just learning some lessons about is, you know, the number one goal of this business really is consistency over everything. You know, I recently, the only reason I had a misshipment recently was moving into this new place, just some extra work, you know, just a perfect storm. If you work a full-time job and you got some other stuff in your life, you know, it happens sometimes. Um, to anyone who's out there who says, you know, oh, well, may I missed the week. It's the end of the world. It's not. You may have to play a little catch up, but it'll, you know, maybe take you almost a month to catch up. So I spent a little extra work doing that. But the fact that I did a bunch of work for three weeks, I realized, you know, I've done nothing but sleep, eat and work either at a job or doing this, you know, maybe for a temporary time, that's fine. But eventually, you know, you got to you got to give some time to the relationships in your life. And otherwise, you know, I think, and maybe this is younger guys, I don't know, but just at least people that I've talked to and other mentors that I've listened to is that I think, uh, which I'm very much this way is guys like to go, you know, full steam ahead, intense is the one thing I'm going to do and just hit at it, which definitely has its uses, but that definitely can lead to burnout. Like I'll catch myself saying, you know, well, you know, that going just that little bit of extra mile takes that much more out of me, like a lot more out of me. So really trying to find that balance between, okay, I work this job, 
I'm going to limit the amount of SKUs or uh, items I'm going to send this week. So that way, you know, I can send them out on Sunday and I'm not working all the way till Wednesday, you know, trying to package and ship these things out. And it's like, yeah, you may get a little benefit out of your business, but what does that take out of you personally? And really, I realized that pulling back a little bit, that actually has a lot more benefit because one, I can focus on the business a little more instead of just packing and shipping stuff, mm-hmm. you know, which is fine from a profit standpoint. But is it going to move my business anywhere? Not really, because, you know, the captain's not steering a ship per se. He's just working in the lower deck, let's say. Yeah. Um, Oh, a few thoughts come to mind yep. as I listen to you describe that process. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've got the benefit of having, having seen people launch businesses for 20 years and, and where they end up based on mindset, not necessarily strategy. It's, it's more mindset. You know, I, I heard 20 years ago, I heard an angel investor. It's been a long time ago. And he was saying, and it was a complete mystery to me when he said it. It makes sense to me now. But he said, when I'm analyzing a company that I'm going to potentially pour a lot of money into with the hopes, obviously, of getting money back out and you know, greater portion at some point, the business plans I find interesting, you know, the assets they have, I find those interesting. The thing I'm looking at is the people, the level of enthusiasm, the discipline level of that person. I'm like, what does that have? To-? I'm like, I see where that gives you an advantage, but really, like, that's all you... He said, that's the vast majority of my decision. I just look at the people. And when you start to filter in 20 years of experience of seeing people come through what I believe is very tested, proven systems, and you see some people that just can't make it work. And you see other people that you think all they've got is their determination, not a lot of other assets, mentally, physically, just not a lot there to work with background, but they make it work because they're disciplined. They pour their energy into it. In, in the right way. And so what I would say to a young, a young man in your position kind of at your stage of life is, and this goes for all of us, but it's a lesson you can learn the hard way or the easy way is, yeah, there's got to be that breathe in, breathe out, work hard five, six days a week, take a day off, build your relationships. You know, Life has its seasons because like you just said, and I'm saying it slightly differently, if you just pound, 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 pound and go, 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 you're going to get burnout. Now, don't use that as an excuse to kind of tiptoe through the shallow waters of this opportunity for the next three years. That's not what I just said. There will be a season of focused effort that's required if you're going to build anything of significance. There'll be failures and pain and staying up till two in the morning a few times a month, and even when you don't want to, and canceling some plans you had with friends, you know. But that's a season. That's not a long term plan for life. Uh, so I love that you said, yeah, the relationships and, and, you know, Getting a family started, and in my opinion, the younger the better. I know that's not a very popular thing in our culture right now, but I get to enjoy my grandkids, you know, because I did that. I followed that advice early on, and and you you do want to experience those things younger versus later on. Plus, there's just something about finding the the right lady and the the way it sharpens you as a guy, and uh, it makes you a better version of who it is that you would be otherwise every single time, you know. But that's another topic, perhaps of interest to some, not others, but. Yeah, I, I love where you're at. I love the transparency you're sharing. I mean, you're facing some very real decisions because you could arguably just say, hey, I'm going to go, you know, pedal to the floor, see what I can do here, wear yourself out and abandon all these important other areas of life. So what are you learning as you kind of think through these things? Share some of the lessons you've learned. As far as the mindset's concerned or really yeah. just anything? Mindset, relationships, like where are you at and what's the plan? So what's on my mind? Well, first of all, 
you know, going back to the whole thing, consistency, like you said, and really it's just, you got to be honest and check in with yourself. Like, you know, you're, I think personally, and this is just for me, your emotions will tell you if something's off, you know, internally, if you feel, you know, like if I, you know, without speaking to a soul, you know, a, a lot of people who work in this business who come on this podcast, say they're introvert, you know, I'd say I'd skew in that way. I personally believe it's a little bit of a spectrum, but regardless, um, I'd lean on the introvert side, you know, but going three weeks, you know, saying, you know, oh, office, you know, COVID stuff, really don't see anybody come here, work, you know, maybe go to the gym, see a little bit of people. Occasionally you talk to, you know, that's, you know, like you said, it's fine to go into those focus um, determined times, which I've done, especially at the beginning, you know, when you're ramping up this business initially, I had that time and, you know, that works just fine. And there's a lot of um, as motivation to keep you going because you can constantly see that growth until you level out, you know, then before you start expanding uh, to outsourcing, which is where I'm at. So you really got to figure out where, especially to those who are wanting to do this part-time, eventually you're going to hit, you'll figure it out about how much work you can handle to do it consistently. Because really consistency is what matters because if you miss that one week, the fact that you sent 40 or 50 products that extra week, it doesn't matter. And I experienced that recently just because of, you know, conditions that were really out of my control that I mentioned earlier. Um, that catch-up game. Consistency really does pay off, really in anything. Um, I can relate this back. Many things I think about actually with uh, working out in the gym actually applies to business. You know, it's all about consistency. You're right. Discipline, which I'm thankful that in my personal development journey of going through someone, you know, sort of, I guess let's say, I don't like the word say drifting through life, but that's that, uh, that sort of implies, you know, the stereotypical, oh, go to college, you're not thinking too much about your decisions, you know, go into this field, etc. You know, don't really take a chance on anything, you know, just sort of that. As Plus I like got the, the default, yeah. the default path that we're yeah. all told to kind of settle into. Yeah. And that's partly why I say this business is a bit personal to me is because I thought that was a way to, you know, oh, well, this is something interesting to me. Let me pursue that, you know, Going to the gym was the first thing I did. You know, this is something interesting to me. Let me pursue that. Let me actually improve myself a little bit instead of just, you know, oh, I'll, you know, work, maybe hang out with friends and then, you know, go play video games, watch TV or something. And then that's the rest of what you're doing. How about put some hard work into something and see what sort of fruits can come out of that? You know, that's sort of my mindset of what really helped propel me into this. I love something you said earlier about the kind of the rules for health kind of overlapping with the rules for business. I completely yeah. agree. I would say the rules for relationships and health and money and business and even faith and you know the rules are all the same. The longer I've had to kind of look at these things and I think the one core component that holds them all together and maybe this will challenge you and maybe the listeners will find this interesting, but others kind of becomes that core glue. What I mean by that is if I'm only working out to benefit me, if I'm only building my business to benefit me. If I'm only doing what I'm doing because I want what I want on my terms, that plays out in a pretty miserable conclusion in the end. I've seen it enough times, but you do it for others. You do it for your spouse, for your kids, for your family, for your customers. You start to live in this other oriented and the rules suddenly become the same and they make the sense, make a lot of sense. And so one of the things I thought for, for example, is what does staying healthy have to do with others? Like if I'm not the healthiest version of myself that I can be, 
I can't serve others well. <laughs> they need to be taking care of me at some point, right? So it is another oriented thing. I'm there. I'm the guy that's there. I'm the guy that's healthy, available, clear-minded, right? So that's another oriented thing. And so you start to think it through that way. And it really fuels and energizes and, it, and, and the rules become clear across the board of be other-oriented. That's what drives you forward. So even the stuff you're doing now, you may not have met that lady you're going to marry someday, but have her in mind. Like, I'm building our future now before I even meet her. Preparing me I to actually be that do guy. think about that. Yeah, I actually do think about that. Building this business, working out otherwise. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, I actually do think about that. You've preached the uh, idea of bringing fathers back into the home. I've thought about that. Strangely, you know, the idea of that before I even listened to you say that, you know, even working on that business, it was kind of surreal actually hearing you say that <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, what else comes to mind, man? What what else is on your mind? We've we're drifting around in a very nice way, in my opinion, just from topic to topic. You're kind of telling your story, a few lessons mixed in, but hopefully you don't mind. Any chance I have to speak to someone who's in those earlier stages of life, I, I like mm-hmm. to think like when I was that guy's age, what do I wish people had said to me? You know, yeah. so I, I could hardly keep myself from saying those things. So appreciate you being a willing uh, participant in my my soapboxing here, but. What else comes to mind from your story? What are the lessons? It, it sounds like you're achieving some really great things. Maybe we could say, you know, where do you want to head? You mentioned outsourcing. What do you mean by that? What's what's the plan there? Sure. And also, I appreciate you also uh, tolerating my ramblings around, but I feel like it's all uh, connected as well. One big web, you might say. But getting into the outsourcing, like I was uh, mentioning earlier, eventually you're going to hit, you know, a plateau of what you can really do by yourself, especially with the replens model. Uh, eventually, I know this is a little bit into the future. I think wholesale is a nice way to get into. Um, I still think I'm a little bit away from that. I think it'd be nicer to expand more within the replen space before I start getting into wholesale. I don't exactly know what the capital's like in wholesale, but I know it'd be nice to at least you know expand replens in terms of what I can gain out of that. I think there's more to be had in that space. So what I'm looking at is really the only outsource that I have at the moment, if you could call that, is UPS coming to get my stuff so I don't have to deliver it to them myself. I didn't realize how cheap it was for them to come until my coach actually told me I couldn't believe that I was taking that many heavy boxes up and downstairs and they could come get them all for me for just like $12. So that was a great first step, first of all. But I think one good way would be to get a VA because one of my things right now is, you know, if I've reached sort of a saturation point of how many items I can do in a particular, let's say, weekend or week, it makes the most sense to, well, now that I've got a ball of capital rolling and I've, you know, sort of recovered that initial investment from coaching and maybe some extra investment to get that ball of money rolling a little faster, why not start raising my price point? to take advantage of that. Instead of, you know, saying $10, let's move my, say my average price point right now is about $20. Let's move that up to $25, $30. And so that's what I'm working on now is starting to find new products. And what could be really useful for me is to get a VA potentially, even if it's just a handful of hours a week, that could be really useful. I still need to look into this a little bit doing that. I've also talked about uh, with my coach, potentially getting a shopper as well. Those That could be a potential time saver because that takes me probably at least the first half of Saturday, half being about 6 a.m. to about 12, roughly, to get all my stuff in a given day. 
But I say a little bit prior to that, really, it was just maximizing my efficiency, you know, getting certain kind of labels. I've got a Dymo printer or excuse me, not Dymo, a roller printer uh, to help out with that. I've got inventory lab now to help with the shipping process. Let's see. Uh, one thing that I don't hear too many people talk about is Walmart Plus, which is absolutely excellent. Um, Unlimited free delivery, same day, couple hours, something like that. Well, not even that. It's the arbitrage, the scan and go feature. I mean, oh, right. you just scan on your phone. This is something, again, that, again, coaching, you know, to everyone is that how valuable this is. I'd never, you know, who knows how long it would have taken me to think of this, but these giant Ikea bags you could get from a dollar on about a dollar from Ikea. If you want $2 on Amazon, you know, someone probably doing the same thing we are. Um, you can just, just kind of just tell by the listing, but I still bought it off Amazon anyway. So get a bunch of those. You have these giant bags that can fit roughly about 50 pounds in there. You really have to touch the product once, scan it, pretty much just hit the plus sign, how many quantity you want. You go into the checkout aisle, scan a QR code. It'll just come up, confirm payment, you're done. And out of, you know, I say 180 items, but really a lot of those are multi-packs. You know, really it's probably anywhere to like 300 plus you know, total items and the value of having them in one in large bags, especially if you have to carry them upstairs like I do, versus having to go to a shopper, have them, you know, pick it up once, put it in the uh, cart, go to the shopper, put it on the belt, then put it in the bag, then put it back in the cart. That just takes so many steps out of the equation, not yeah. to mention all the plastic bags right. that you don't have to deal with anymore. Although we use ours for dunnage as they kind of pile up on us. We use them to pack boxes. Really? But yeah, that just makes how quickly someone can get to the store and just check out instantly, easily, you know, with a click, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we've never actually done it. I'm familiar with how it works, but you're probably sitting here talking to me into it as you're saying those things because we do a lot of shopping through Walmart and a great number of other retail stores as well. We've got, I don't know, probably 18 different retail stores on our shopper for our replens. But yeah, that's a great tip. I don't know that anyone's ever brought that up before. Did Brian share that with, with you? He did. Yeah. Um, and it, it was funny because he mentioned it to me and I said, you know, oh yeah, I heard of Walmart plus it sounds pretty interesting. And he said, Stagango. I was like, oh yeah, I heard of it. And then he told me what it actually was. I was like, it, it is what it literally says. Yet it never just dawned on me to actually, you know, think about it, but that's, mm -hmm. you know, roughly I'll even give you a trial period of 30 days if you want to try it out for free. But I mean, it's only like $90 a year, but the amount of time that that saves and even the shipping for online arbitrage, like you said, and I haven't even used that yet, but just the fact of having that feature is worth it on its own. Yeah. For the in-store convenience shop and checking out. But yeah, we've used it a good number of times to have stuff delivered straight to our warehouse. <laughs> Here's the things yeah. we need from Walmart. Someone get online, free delivery. I have heard that if they start to feel like you're a reseller who are using their delivery services, they can shut you down. I've heard that happen to some people. But as far as like shopping out while you're checking out while you're shopping in the store using that feature. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's a great tip today. I love it. Hey, quick break while I tell you about a fantastic sponsor. It's someone who's been a member of this community for a long time, Jonathan Swart and his family since 2016. They built a company called ilovesupplies.com. They have great poly bags. These bags have strips on them when you peel it that don't cling to your hand or to the product. You don't have to flick your wrists. Printed right on the bags are the size of the bag in case they get mixed together. It's a beautiful feature. It also says ready to ship right on the bag. 
so you don't have to worry about putting stickers as much as you do currently. It really speeds up the time you spend prepping your product, which makes a big difference. Contact them at ilovesupplies.com. That's ilovesupplies.com. When you email them, use the email address I got my bags at ilovesupplies.com. Again, the email address, I got my bags at ilovesupplies.com. Check the show notes. All the information is there as well. I have heard that if they start to feel like you're a reseller who are using their delivery services, they can shut you down. I've heard that happen to some people. But as far as like shopping out while you're checking out while you're shopping in the store using that feature, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's that's a great tip today. I love it. Well, what else is on your mind? Where else do you want to go with this? Any other lessons to share with everyone? Or uh, maybe there's some more of your story that you'd like to share. You're doing a brilliant job, by the way. A lot of good Thank information you. shared. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, let's see. We talked you were talking about outsourcing, you know, and some of the, the ways you're yeah. kind of doing them. And maybe I could give you my advice and, you know, sure. you like, just could, kind of the things you threw out there just as a general rule of thumb. When you're talking about what that next step is, that first hire, especially, you kind of want to get it right. And I think we tend to lean towards hiring someone to do the stuff we really don't want to do. And sometimes that's okay. But the best hire, in my opinion, is someone who's going out and on the hunt with you. What I mean by that is, you know, the another replen sourcer, that virtual assistant. We've got the Proven replens va.com program. You know, there's you can train your own VA. That's cool. Or you can come to us. We'll train one. I'll stick a link in the show notes for those who are interested. But finding somebody who's actually in the hunt with you now. So they're bringing revenue to the table. You're not just paying them out of the revenue you have. So you can have free up your time. That's good. But more ideal, you bring someone in who kind of pays for themselves, if you know what I'm saying, because of the revenue they generate. And now you use, you've got a lot of new revenue now to start hiring some of those convenience hires, I would call them. It's like, finally, I don't have to be the guy that does the tape on the box. I don't have to be the guy that does, you know. So those kind of come second. And what that does, what that forces you to do, Dylan, is it forces you to truly understand your system, build a system, truly understand it, and now bring someone else in who's kind of, you know, hunting the Easter eggs with you, right? And then you can hire a shopper, a prepper, and bring those people in. Now that you've got this nice flow of Easter eggs flowing in, these good finds flowing in, and you don't have to be the guy doing it all the time, you can kind of step back and build a system at that point. But until you can replicate what's in your head, going out and finding the gold and the Easter eggs and hunting, you know, that's the step, that's the magic. And that's the skill set you want to pass to somebody else who can kind of contribute. That's my philosophy on it. Right, for sure. And yeah, and it's always like you said the system, and of course, you know, be, being as an engineer, it's always the details, right? That's pretty much my whole job is to focus on things like that. And even as you know, and it's I think imperative for people, you know, to think about that future expansion. I even think about you know, okay, well, it's a shop list that I have, and I'm actually even before this call I was messing around with. I had just gotten into Replan dashboard. To see if that's a little bit more convenient because the way that I've got it, it's like unless I prepare it and explain it to someone, even maybe even after I explain it to someone, they're not going to get it. You know, so that's not very useful to hand off. I probably should come up with something else. So it's yep. probably good to always be thinking about the system in that regard. I can't remember the title of the book I read. I think maybe it was the compound effect. I'm pretty sure it was. Don't remember the author, but it's a common book. Darren Hardy. There you go. Nice job. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he talked about the 1% incremental improvements. Do you remember that? Have you read the book? Uh, I've actually heard of it. And it's very, um, very synergistic uh, with uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear as well. I haven't read of it, but I heard of it. And I've That's actually got Darren's other book. Probably <laughs> where I heard read. of it was Atomic Habits, actually. Two yeah. great books, by the way. We just dropped yeah. on folks. But yeah, the slow incremental 1% little improvement processes. And you gave a good example of one. For example, my our shopper list, I've mentioned this on a few episodes recently. It's something I want to be able to train a shopper in under two minutes. Fully trained, fully functional. You're good to go now. Two minutes. That's all we got. And I wanted a process that was that simple. And that's what we have now. I feel like I could bring any competent person. You're like, hey, okay, open up your smartphone. Share in the spreadsheet now. We've got your name in a column here, right? So as you buy stuff, you drop in these columns. Here's how many we need of all these products. And as they buy them, the number drops and anyone can be shopping anytime. And then when we check them in, you click a button, they all get checked in. We're using Replin dashboard as well to help us keep stay on top of how many units do we need of different products. But it's a very simple system because we've over time made tiny improvements. We're always improving our processes, little incremental improvements to the process, but it's that's a very clean system now. So that's if you're going to pass it off, yeah, you want it clean, but you're never going to have it so clean and perfect that it doesn't need improvements anymore. <laughs> you're always going to be working and improving your system for sure. But yeah, that's where you got to need to be is, you know, shape it to the point where I can pass it to somebody else and reasonably expect them to grasp it as easily as possible, as mistake-free as possible, ideally. Right. But that system mind is going to serve you very well. That engineering mind in building systems. Yeah. So what, what improvements have you made to your process? Any tips or strategies? I love the one you dropped on us, the Walmart Plus. What else you got? Uh, anything else jump out that you could share? So a lot of them really... So many of them really come back to applications and other services that you can use. I know that one podcast that you have that um, I had Be Cool at the time, but I think it was a good episode, um, was relating back to Be Cool. That was one of the first ones that I got. Keepa, of course. I mean, repricer for those who don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Keepa, um, which replens wouldn't really work without Keepa, to my knowledge. No, um, AZ, you AZ, Keepa. Yeah. AZN Insight, Inventory Lab as well. Um, I think those are the major ones. And then most recently, once my data gets synced, I'll be taking a look at Replen Dashboard, like you said. So that way, inevitably, when I do get a shopper or even for myself, you know, be able to actually hand them off a list, you know, that's not confusing and has, you know, six, seven different rows on a column on an Excel table. And they say, I just need to know how many to buy, sir. I don't need, uh, you know, what is this, you know, extra stuff that's on here. Right. Yeah. That's what we've got as a, a super simple sheet for those who maybe want to hear what's on there. I mean, it's for the shopper, there's a lot of things they don't need to see. And one of the least useful things sometimes we put on the shopper's sheet is the Amazon description. Those are Amazon's descriptions are terrible. <laughs> like I don't even know what I'm looking at sometimes. You know, yeah. I need to see a picture of the item. So we have our own description that makes sense for the shopper. And when you click on it, you can it takes you to the Amazon listing for that product and you can kind of get a visual that way of what it is you're looking at. And then the quantity that we need. And there's not a whole lot else they need. If you're a shopper, you don't need to know the ASIN, you know, there's a lot of things you just don't need to know. So we keep it super simple for the shoppers and yeah, kind of cleaning that system up to make it as, as mistake proof as possible has been the goal for that, for that piece. And, and we, we do that with every phase of our business, 
Uh, it's kind of interesting to me, Dylan, that this whole business is still kind of so new. This business model, even Amazon, e-commerce itself is so new. You'd think there'd be this like cookie cutter, like, hey, here you go. Here's the tools you need. But it's always changing. So there's always new room for improvement, new opportunities. And we're getting very excited right now. For example, you know, we're starting to see more and more sellers transitioning. And once they're at a, a nice, comfortable level with replens, which is still a phenomenal opportunity, as great, if not greater than it's ever been, but many sellers are transitioning into wholesale or building their old bu- own bundles that are you know, branded. And as your time frees up, that's where you'll drift into those. So you've got these nice, clean systems, other people running the program, and then you can drift into these strategies that demand more of your time and attention to launch. That's the model we like to use. So you're putting money in the bank as you're growing instead of putting a bunch of money at risk and hoping... Kind of like the college model, right? You put a bunch of money in and go deep in debt in the hopes that someday, 10 years from now, when it's paid off and I have a great job, this will all be worth it. Well, with an e-commerce, I think the attraction is, hey, I can kind of put a little money in as I go and I'm making money every step of the way and it's kind of growing with me. It doesn't require this big, you know, throw a bunch of money in and hope it works out someday model. It's just not necessary. Yeah. Right. So what thoughts exactly. come to mind exactly. as I talk through those things? Any, what else is on your list too? Well, I mean the money thing is exactly right. I mean, imagine, I mean, I was lucky enough to get hired right out of college and my line of work, it's, you know, with COVID is actually very slow. So I can only imagine, you know, what it's like, even just one year having to deal with those payments and you don't have a job. Nonetheless, the job that, mm-hmm. you know, pays appropriate for an engineer, you're taking, you know, roughly, let's say half of what you expected to make coming out of college versus like you said, with the commerce journey. And that's what, you know, appealed to me is said getting into this model is say, you know, well, I'm not going to lose my shirt on this. And as you said, you know, I'm making money every step of the way I can grow that ball of money. I don't have to think, you know, even with the dropship models I've seen before, you know, say five grand on this potential or excuse me, private label sink five grand into something that I don't know whether it's going to sell or not. You know, and I'm at least at surface level when I looked at those, I'm like, I'm not convinced that this will sell. Even how much you want to advertise these cars and et cetera to me, you know, I'm not convinced that this will actually work. I mean, what if it doesn't? How, you know, you can do the math. How many months is it for me going to recover from this, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the debt that I already have? So I think that's always important to look into as well. Yeah. And even one of the things that pushed me into this space was I even considered going back for a master's degree, maybe in a particular niche. Well, again, the debt, it's like, you know, I'm almost thankful for it that it pushed me into this space and I have this opportunity. I'm not too sure that, you know, with the, let's say, comfortable salary that I have, that I necessarily would have taken a risk like this, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. And I think it was a, Somewhere, I think it was uh, by Tony Robbins, like no man's land. Like you're not this, you're not uncomfortable enough to do anything about it, but you're also just too comfortable. Is something like that. I don't think I got that right. Yeah, no, I, I, I've never heard the concept. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yeah, necessity is the mother of invention, and if you never find yourself in that desperate situation, you may never invent anything interesting. <laughs> right. Right. So that kind of pushes you. So I think COVID did that to a lot of people. I think it shook, it rattled enough of us. Um, there's a lot of people. I just saw an article, more people than ever are kind of leaving behind the traditional paths of, I'm going to go to college and get that great job, go into big debt and dig my way out of it. You know, like that model's appealing to fewer and fewer people as is 
getting in the car and going to an office every day and helping someone else build their business. I think I'm going to figure out a way to do this from home. And the opportunities have never been greater. So I love getting to play in a field where I see these real world stories. You know, in our next episode, I don't know who it'll be, but it might be a retired couple. Like I have, we thought we were done earning and we were comfortable, but man, COVID and some investments happened. Like, what are we going to do? So that come up with almost that edge of desperation can be the mother of invention into building some beautiful things. And I love it's kind of pushed you in this direction. I can fully see, for example, where you'll have a difficult decision at some point in the not too distant future where you're struggling. Can I afford to work for this company? You know, love you guys. Great gig. Not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. If your boss is watching, I'm just saying at some point down the road, you know, it could make sense that, man, this business is really kind of outgrown for the time and effort and energy I'm putting into this e-commerce business. Man, I'm, I'm making a lot more money over here. What if I was full-time just doing this? Can I imagine that? You know, Do you see yourself having those conversations someday? I mean, even before I started the business, I think that was something that you know I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. Partly what led me into coaching, you know, what led me to you guys saying, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go gung-ho. I want to make sure that you know, I could fail, but I want to do my due diligence, make sure I get this right. And if I'm going to go all the way with it, yeah, inevitably that's going to be a conversation. So yeah, I've thought about those things and I mean, I'm okay with it. Harkening back to uh, a little while ago, I mean, I've seen in the corporate world what my manager does, you know, what, you know, I know pretty much now about how much he gets paid. I know, but the senior engineer in my field, how much he gets paid. And I've heard the numbers of people in this podcast. I've heard, you know, other numbers and what appeals to me so much about owning a business is that I know that a lot of the business can be a direct result of my efforts. However, you know, to get a pay raise, I'm relying on somebody else a lot of the time. And while I've experienced actually first half of my career being in a very hot market, which in a lot of professional careers, you don't necessarily get overtime. You're just expected to get it done in that 40 hours. Um, which is not appealing to me and I'm sure many other people or in a very cold market where it's like, okay, I'm sitting here. I don't have a whole lot to do. I can hope I can charge some people like that. I'm like, I need something to do. Like, I feel like I'm wasting my time just by sitting here. So, and experiencing both of those, you know, it's unless work's going to be perfectly balanced all the time, you know, which it rarely ever is in a job, you know, it's like this hot where I feel like, you know, I might be, being paid under pay because I'm not getting those hours due to, you know, whatever corporate, you know, I want to speak ill, but say, what's the word for it? Just say, I guess, expectations, right? Um, of what to do, but also just sitting there and tapping your fingers, waiting for work and saying, oh, I can go home now. You know, I'm not chained to my desk anymore, waiting for more work. Meanwhile, I can work on this and say, you know, okay, well, if I work a little bit harder today, I'm actually going to get that much more money. Or if yeah. I, take a risk in this opportunity, I'm actually going to get rewarded for it. And, you know, those results come back a lot quicker than say, you know, oh, I have to wait till the end of the year or just, you know, cross my fingers that someone will notice. Yeah. Your your results are more directly tied to the amount of effort you're putting in, which is very rewarding, right? Even when you get the negative indicators that you need to work harder, the numbers start to drop. You mentioned you skip a week of you know, doing the business and you, that shows up over the next two or three weeks yeah. in smaller numbers. So the effort put in, the reward comes out. And that's not always the case in the corporate world. As you've identified, you've had both jobs, even at a young age where 
it was just like, go, 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 go. We're giving you 60 hours a week or 60 hours of work. You got to get it done in 40. We're paying you, you know, the same cut, even though you're working harder. And then you got that, like, anybody got anything for me to do? I got to stay here till five, but uh, crickets, man, there's nothing to do. I'm just going to sit here bored. Like a lot of people experience those two extremes. Like there's, it's hard to find that perfectly balanced job where you're like, yeah, it's a nice amount of work. And I feel like I'm being paid adequately for what I'm worth. And <laughs> it's nice and flexible schedule. I come and go as I please. Like those jobs, it's called being a business owner. You know, that's the goal is to get into that position and then hopefully create those kind of positions for others. Um, but the way our organization is structured, you might find this interesting, Dylan. I don't know if you've ever heard me describe it, but I, you know, we're a team of about 90, 95 people, but none of them, with the exception of a couple of people, consider this their full-time gig. Like, this is all I do. None of them. It's a side thing. It's, you know, it's the gig economy. And I rely very heavily on these people. It's not like they come and go as they please. There's stuff they got to do every week, but it's five hours a week for this person and 15 for that person. And a coach here, you know, doing, have has five or 10 students at any given time. Like, you know, you talked about Brian earlier, your coach. That's not his full-time gig, but I'm very reliant on guys like Brian to keep this ship afloat. So I love that model where it's almost like you eat what you kill. You come in, you, pr- you bring value, you get paid well for it, and you go do whatever it is that you're doing with the rest of your life. I love that model, the flexibility of, of what we've built here. I think you're really going to enjoy it too, because if the work's rewarding and you see value in it, you do it. You provide value. You get paid well to do so. If you don't see the value in the work and it's not paying you well, then you don't do it. <laughs> you know That's the beauty of, of business ownership, I guess that extreme flexibility. It'll pay big dividends in relationships too. Use that flexibility to pour into very intentionally some good solid relationships like we talked about earlier. This is good stuff, man. I, I'm enjoying this thoroughly. So what else is on your list? That you, if you had a chance to share a few other things, if there's anything else uh, with the listeners today, maybe some people who are newer or skeptical or maybe even some even tips for the more experienced sellers. It's whatever, what comes to mind? For sure. I don't... Unfortunately, that. Um, it just left my brain of what you had just mentioned. Uh, but it's, this goes back to money mindset is the fact that you're providing value. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, I had that training, like I mentioned earlier, um, that at least got me into coaching. And even though that was roughly about a grand or so training at the time, the fact that it at least got me to the hurdle into this training um, was very well worth it. So, I mean, first of all, invest in yourself coaching is invaluable. The other thing is, is that even still going into this, you know, I still had the mindset occasionally within the first couple weeks, maybe in a couple months, you know, of taking boxes from upstairs, putting them in my car, taking them out, you know, I'm saying, why the heck are people even buying these things? You know, I know they're marked up. Why can't they go to the store? You know, any other kind of excuse that comes to my mind, is this really providing value? And I have to come back, you know, listen to other. And I think, listen to important mentors like yourself, even on listening to podcasts, if I feel slightly discouraged, even just listening to half an episode of somebody talking about that is very invigorating. It's like, you know, okay, this works. I know it does. You know, you can talk to the plethora of people that have done it. If one person can do it, you know, as and especially if this many people can do it, you can do it as well. So anybody who's new, you know, uh, I've heard anybody that can do it, you can as well. And I hear often on your show that a lot of one of the hangups that people have is, you know, well, where do I find product? And I agree with you fully when people, when the response is, you know, that's not the question you should be asking. 
And the thing that I thought of, you know, it's like, you know, you know, where do I go fish? It's almost the same concept to me. It's like, you know, well, there's plenty of products in stores and otherwise, I mean, you can really go anywhere. I mean, a nice visualization for that, for anybody out there who may be hesitant on it is I've gone out to Walmart and grocery section and have had a full cart within just two aisles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going out there. I mean, there's plenty out there. The question is, you know, how are you searching for the products necessarily? And do you have a repeatable system that can actually be sustainable over time? And that's one of the things that you guys teach on a much smaller scale, but it's a lot easier for people to get into. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, elbow grease and it's a little bit of hard work, but that's the way business should be done. You shouldn't expect to jump into something you know, unless you're an angel investor who, you know, has experience already, you know, if you're a first time business owner or a business owner, first time in any field, you should expect to get your hands dirty a little bit. Yeah. You know, you should be, you know, unless you're starting with someone else, be pretty much your entire business until you outsource that, you know, to other folks. Like I said, you know, captain of the ship, you're kind of doing everything. Then you bring others aboard and I you can just focus on steering the ship necessarily. So. The opportunity is out there for everybody. And that's one of the reasons, well, second thing you had asked about as far as any other thoughts I had was wanting to, and it's actually some inspiration that I get from listening to you is saying that uh, giving back a little more. I know what we do as a business is giving back to people. And what's nice is to see very nice reviews as I've gotten through over time and let that machine run. I actually... Some five-star comments are actually very nice. You know, people saying, I can't find this anywhere. Thank you. These came on time. Thank you. You know, if you don't think you're providing value, well, stick with it long enough and you'll see it. Yeah, there's occasionally some negative stuff because people had a bad delivery experience. I've even had one person who claimed I sent him dented uh, potatoes on purpose because reasons, you know, it's like, it feels like a personal attack, but I didn't take it personally. Um, So, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity and if you stick with it enough and it's important to have a tribe of people you can listen to, you know, like yourself, even with the podcast, either the community, you know, if you're feeling a little bit uh, discouraged, which is a part of the journey, you will at some point, you know, that's nothing to be ashamed about necessarily. You need to just listen to your mentors and just trust in the system, really. Just trust the process and see it to fruition. You know, if you stop short, you're never going to know. So I know that was a long-winded way of going a bunch of other places, but I hope that came together. Correctly. No, it, it did. It was a great list. And you kind of visited a point twice during that that I want to just unpack a little bit and hear you sure. address. And that is, you mentioned the, am I providing value? And you find yourself questioning, like you're carrying these heavy bags of price products are just marked up. People go to Walmart themselves and buy it cheaper. Why are they going to buy it from me or whatever store you source from? Where I think it's been more, am I actually providing value? How have you kind of encapsulated that thought process in your mind? Like, so you do see the integrity. You mentioned the reviews, right? Like people leave great reviews. Talk me through like if I'm not convinced and I came to you and I'm like, oh, you're doing this market product up, price gouging people, you know, what is your response back to that mentality that that some people have? And, and I'll take a stab at it too, but I'm just curious how how you've kind of processed through that in your mind. Besides that, you know, I get the occasional positive review. What other thoughts do you have? Because I think it's important, again, that we see virtue in what it is that we're doing because otherwise we're going to self-sabotage. Right. So 
the simplest answer, I think that encapsulates everything is the very capitalistic free market approaches to say, well, if they don't want to buy it, no one's forcing them to buy it. At the end of the day, I mean, that is what it is, right? I mean, Amazon's a free marketplace. If people want to go in there and buy something, that's fine. Occasionally, yeah, you will see the reviews of saying, oh, this is marked up. I could get this for so-and-so so much better. I'm like, you know, for so much better price, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, you could have done that, sir. Or, yeah. you know, oftentimes they say, oh, I paid this much. I thought it would be bigger. And, you know, this list that I'm on is not misleading in any way. It says, you know, five and a half ounces, whatever, you know, there was nothing misleading about it. You just assumed that it is. So, you know, and, sometimes and people refund. Make... Amazon's very generous in their refund policy too. It's not like we're, ha ha, got you sucker. <laughs> like, no, get a refund. <laughs> right, you know? exactly. Right, exactly. And I mean, you're going to be punished anyway if you start making misleading listings as it is, regardless. Yep. So, right. um, so that, one of the, so that kind one of, of things I love to hear before we move past this point, you yep. know, up one, of, one of the things I like to say, just joking around mainly with other sellers, when someone says, Well, I can buy this for $3 at Walmart. Why are you selling it for $18? Like, um, could, you know, could you mind telling me which Walmart you saw it for $3? Because I'm running low on stock. <laughs> I need to go buy more. Tell me where you found it. So cheap. I need more. And of course, they're not going to reply to that. But, yeah. you know, so you, you will see those people who push back on price. But I love what you said. If, in a free market, and you, you, you have the choice to buy. And it's buyer remorse isn't our responsibility. Like you regret the decision. Okay, well, you know, get a refund. Amazon's very generous about that. Sorry, you had some buyer remorse. I want happy transactions. I want people enjoying the products they buy. But the other thing I think of too, that we've kind of left out of the equation, just the pure convenience of being able to, you know, as we've been sitting here recording this podcast, I've had, you know, we're coming up on Christmas here. So we got a few more boxes than usual popping onto the front porch. I didn't have to drive around all day. I got to do a podcast episode with you today. I didn't have to drive around and see if they had any and check the store shelves and frustration waiting in line. Like paid a few extra bucks. Yes. I'm grateful for every person that touched that package, including the person who pulled it off a shelf somewhere in a store across the world somewhere. And every the other 30 people who touched it. It's it's incredible how that five, 10, 15% markup, maybe a little more, made them all get paid. The miraculous system that that's been built that allows everybody to be happy along with that everybody's getting paid for their contribution to the process that all I have to do is open my front door and it's right there. And everybody's happy in the whole process from start to finish. That's pretty incredible, let alone the people who manufactured it and all the jobs that are created. It's a beautiful thing. Free market is a beautiful, amazing thing. And I love participating in it. Yeah. And I want to add on to that as well and say that, you know, I've sort of mentioned, you know, kind of kind of just disregarding the negative aspect of it. But on the positive side of why it does work is say, you know, well, why if someone come up to you and trying to convince them, let's say, you might say, well, uh, you know, well, this particular brand, they don't really sell on Amazon at all. No one's doing this. It's literally a blue ocean. Why not? Why don't I help fill in that ASIN? You know, there's only two or three sellers. Why don't I jump in on that? See if I can compete with them for the best price, which is another way of adding value is saying, you know, okay, well, logistically, if I'm my product's in the right spot and I have a good enough price, Amazon will put me in the buy box and other given hidden metrics of who knows how that algorithm works, right? right. So, so that's one thing is, you know, filling in in that regard. Another way, and there's plenty of other ways, but just the second one here is, well, let's say I've 
seen plenty of reviews before of people that say they can't find this anywhere in their store. They have nowhere. They have no way of finding it. There was one item that unfortunately is out in my area now, but I, I called it, you know, a golden boy for a while is something that a single product I got for $3 could do it for 15. It was me and only one other seller. And it was like consistently, you know, around 50,000 on grocery for a very, for quite a while. I just continuously sold that. And a lot of the comments under the reviews, you know, said, can't find this anywhere. Thank you. Right. You know, it's, I think we have a tendency to focus on the negative a lot of the time. Maybe that's just the way we're hardwired, but there's so much more positive, you know, people having positive experience out of you providing that item to the marketplace versus, you know, focusing on those small negative people who really oftentimes it's like, you know, they made a mistake inherently you know, I'm buying that product. They thought they get more out of it. They just didn't read it properly. You know, they just made a compulsive buying decision without reading what they were getting into. You know, no business can survive if they, you know, want to, you know, want to be, want to operate in fear of buyer's remorse, right? I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. I mean, we can't be responsible for other people's decisions. Yeah, absolutely. We want to create a good experience. We do everything we can to do so. But, you know, I think the thing we're fighting against ultimately, though, is just it, we have a culture, unfortunately, that sees success as something less than virtuous in almost all areas. We love to see successful people fall. It's almost like a human nature flaw and it's built into business, too. So you got to kind of have a thick, you know, thick skin. That's why there's a reason I call everyone who builds a business, business building warriors. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to have people that are unhappy. Ultimately, though, we're the ones holding up the whole infrastructure. <laughs> we are, you know, the whole Atlas shrugged concept. Like, thought the business builders, this whole thing falls apart. The politicians don't have anybody to tax anymore. <laughs> like, you got nothing. Yeah. You can't you squeeze the golden goose to death, and suddenly there's nothing else happening. So we're the ones kind of holding things together. Quietly so, you know, we're not asking for any accolades. We're just asking for honest transactions with customers that come to love and and respect and trust us. And we continue doing that, um, you know, paying our taxes, raising our kids, kind of quietly keeping this whole thing running, this whole machine running. So uh, it, it takes a warrior mentality at times, but it sounds like you're well on your way on that journey and you've got a great mindset. And uh, it's been really cool hanging out with you today, Dylan. I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome being here too. And thank you for finally giving me an answer on what the warrior part of that was, because I had no idea that that's what the intention was behind it. Oh, really? Yeah, I could go a little deeper yeah. into it if you wanted to. But yeah, just, um, you know, you think of a, a a battle on a battlefield, there's risk, there's a goal, there's there's having people doubt the, what's the word I'm looking for when you have a, a, a mission in mind? Objective, maybe? No, it's a, it has to do with internal motivation, whether you feel motivated or not. But it has it does have to do with objective. But if you, if you don't see morale, that's the word I'm looking for. Morale, mm-hmm. right? You talk about the morale of your troops. Well, that's that has its root in moral. Do I see what I'm doing as virtuous? If not, the morale is going to be low, right? So as a warrior in battle, you got to have the morale high. You got to believe in what it is you're doing. A tiny army can take over a huge army. If the huge army doesn't have morale and doesn't see the virtue in what it is they're trying to accomplish, there's a bunch of paid mercenaries going to get paid either way. Like, I got to do a stick around long enough to get paid. I'm out of here. I don't want to fight. But the smaller army that really believes in what they're doing, that's a lot of it. The mental game that's required to be an effective warrior and really believe in what you're, what you're fighting for, it's the same in business. In a culture that says success is bad, if you succeed, we're going to punish you even more. The more successful you get, the more punished you're going to be. 
it takes a warrior mentality to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to succeed anyway. And I'm going to be misunderstood. And I'm going to create a long trail of happy customers. Even though people look at me and go, well, look at you, overnight success, driving that nice car. It's like, no, you don't know how many years of failures and being misunderstood and disappointed customers and bad ideas and money misspent and all the inventory I bought that I had to donate and, and give away and just lost my shirt. You don't see all that. All you see is the nice payday. And so that, you know, so there's a, a lot of elements that start to stack into you. You're going to have to have some thick skin, kind of like being a warrior, right? So thanks for the chance to ex- explain that a little bit, because I, I think sometimes I just assume people get the analogy, but I could probably go on and on. But I think you can kind of let your imagination wander and see where, where that kind of goes. It's you, you're going to need a team to succeed in business. You can't go to war by yourself. <laughs> you need a team, right? It's called an army. That's why we do this together. Right. So we're warriors in this together, man. Cool. Hopefully that helps you out. No, exactly. I I actually love that that means that now. You know, yeah. I'm thank you for the explanation. For sure. Hopefully it helped others too. Well, I think I'm gonna wrap this one up, buddy. I've actually got some errands. I gotta run for my family and probably gonna sure. grab a few replans while I'm at the store. I'm going to it actually <laughs> too, because I can't walk past those twenty dollar bills just sitting there. But uh, it's been cool hanging out with you, buddy. Appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And let me just talk to the listeners for a second. Thanks for hanging out with Dylan and I today. Another really fun, entertaining, hopefully, but most importantly, informational, motivational episode for you. If we said some things that challenge you, some things you want to push back on, some questions you have, jump into our Facebook group. We love discussing the episodes. Just jump in, start a discussion or send me a private message if you'd like. The links to our coaching program, to our course, everything at silentgym.com. No matter where you're listening or watching this, we really love the feedback, the reviews. That's kind of your way of paying us back for this free show. If you don't mind, spread the word too. We appreciate all of that. But until we meet again next time, business building warriors, now that we all know what that means, (laughs) God bless you guys. It's great hanging out with you. We're in your corner. We're rooting for you. We want you to succeed. So come be a part of this uh, culture, this community that we're building. We'd love to see you here. And we'll have another episode for you real soon. Talk to you then. Hey, before I let you go, one last reminder, our incredible sponsors, ilovesupplies.com. There's a link in the show notes. Go check out their poly bags. It will speed up the process of getting your inventory ready to send to Amazon. Time is money. They can help you out. ilovesupplies.com. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.